I hope that you uh, tonight have your Bible and I encourage you to open it and find First Peter. That's where we're bit at tonight. It's good to see you here tonight. Some of you here for the first time back, and we are so glad to have you in worship and welcome home. We're glad to have you in worship tonight. I'm so glad that you're here. God has a word for you. God has a word for me. Do you all believe that? Amen. He does. God's word never returns void. It always speaks to our heart and is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing into our heart, dividing in places that we can't even fully understand where the divisions are. He has a way of speaking to us. Now tonight, we're in chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 18. Now, this is in this passage, we're talking about how to live a godly life in a foreign world. This is not our final home, not our final destination. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we await a Savior. But we are aliens and strangers in this world. And we are to be lights in this dark world. And how do we live rightly in this world in which we live? One of the things that Peter writes to the church that's going through persecution and hardship and suffering He says, be careful, I know that there are different social structures that you're a part of. Live godly and rightly in the midst of those structures. Last week, we talked about submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether a king as one in authority or governors. And so he says, in a political world, he said, don't be rebels, but instead submit and yield to human institutions and government. And uh, so that's what we're to do. Tonight, he talks about, in the passage we're going to look at, for those who are slaves and you have masters, work for them as unto the Lord. Work in a way that's submissive, and that way you have a voice and a witness in this lost world. And then in coming uh, weeks, we're going to look at He says, in the home, be submissive in the home and uh, demonstrate the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus in your home and in your family. So it's in in the world and the government that you live in, live a right life, submitting yourself and yielding and trusting God. In your workplace where you work, submit and yield and trust God in your workplace. And then also in your home life, submit and yield to God in your home life as well. So tonight, we're going to talk about the workplace, all right? And so I want us to look at uh, this passage, beginning with verse number 18, chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience, but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, This finds favor with God. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow 
in his steps. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives tonight. Speak to us. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to do business in our hearts. Convict us of our sin. Confront us with unright ideas and thoughts. Comfort us in our grief and our affliction. And lead us to repentance and turning to you in faith. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Interesting stories told in the book by Gordon MacDonald and called the life and, uh, in a book called uh, A Life That God Blesses. MacDonald used to pastor in this area, by the way, in Collinsville years ago. And he says, he tells a story about going to South Africa and there he met a Methodist bishop at a church in South Africa. This is during apartheid days. And he says he met a Methodist bishop there by the name of George Irvine. And uh, George Irvine was a district superintendent and bishop. And he tells a story in the Grahamstown district of South Africa about a black pastor in that district whose home was burned to the ground by people that were uh, opposed to, to him. And Early in the morning, the bishop had gone to visit the pastor. He'd heard about the fire. When he went there, he saw the family standing outside the front of their home. Everything was completely burned to the ground. The only thing left standing was the chimney. He lost all personal belongings. He lost furniture, books, sermon notes, clothes. The only thing they had was the clothes on their back. And he said... The bishop, George Irvine, said that as he looked at the ruins of his home, he suddenly noticed what the pastor had done one thing to reveal what was in his heart. He had taken a lump, a chunk of that charcoal from the burned ruins of his house, and he had written in the black charcoal on the chimney a vow that he had taken when he became a Methodist pastor. And he wrote these words, put me to what you will, put me to doing, put me to suffering, let me be laid aside for you, let me have all things, let me have nothing, I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal. He's saying, all that I have is yours. My life is yours. I trust in you. Peter is writing to these believers, and he's saying, some of you are going through suffering, and you're going to suffer even in the work environment because you are slaves and you serve under masters. And some are good and gentle, but some are difficult and harsh. But even in your suffering, God will meet you there. Suffering during hard times is where the depths, we get to know Christ in the depths of his presence in our life. Malcolm Muggeridge told this story. He was being interviewed by William F. Buckley years ago. Muggeridge, a philosopher, writer, 
late to come to Christ, but an apologist for his faith in Jesus. He says, as an old man, Bill, he's speaking to Buckley, he said, looking back on one's life, it's one of the things that strikes you most forcibly, that the only thing that's taught one anything is suffering. He said, not success, not happiness, not anything like that. The only thing that really touches one, what life's all about, the joy of understanding, the joy of coming in contact with what life really signifies, is suffering and affliction. Wow. What Peter is saying to them, even if you suffer, in the midst of your suffering, God will show up and God will bless you and God will reward you richly if you're faithful and do what's right. He says, first of all, verse number 18, servants, or you could translate it slaves, be submissive to your masters with all respect. He's writing to household slaves, and he said, submit to those who rule over you. Now, in the Roman world, there were way more people in slavery than there were free men. It was often the case that many, many, many scores of people, the majority of the population were in slavery. It was a different kind of slavery than what we might think about here in the United States, but there were so many slaves by warfare. You're captured, and, 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 and whenever a, a country or region is defeated, then the, the country that wins the victory takes many of those population into slavery. People were in slavery because they were kidnapped. People were in slavery because of debt. People were in slavery. If you were born into a slave family, then you became property of the slave owner. But many of the slave owners were abusive. Some were kind and gentle, but some were abusive and ruffians and, and harsh. And, and it wasn't a racial slavery. You might be of the same race, but you were enslaved. Often, slaves were more well-educated than even their masters. Slavery was, uh, could be very harsh and very abusive. And he says in verse number 18, be submissive to them. Submit with all respect. Now, you may be wondering today, why does Peter not rant and rave about turning uh, slavery upside down and about changing the social structure? Thomas Schreiner has dealt with this in, in an excellent way. He said, modern people ask why New Testament writers didn't criticize the institution of slavery or advocate its overthrow. And this is what Schreiner said. He reminds us. He says it's completely unrealistic to think that they could do such a thing. The church was fledgling. It was small, a very minuscule part of the population. It would have been futile in any of their efforts to do that. Secondly, they're addressing the situation that presents itself. So railing against slavery wouldn't do any good in New Testament days. And so they were talking instead about the issue of how do I live as a Christian in this situation that I find myself. The New Testament writers were not social revolutionaries in that regard. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 7. He says the condition that you find yourself in now that you've come to Christ, whether you're a slave or free, stay in that same condition, but be faithful to serve God where you are. They didn't believe that overhauling social institutions would transform the culture. The concern was a relationship of individuals to a holy God. He dealt with the issues of sin and rebellion against the Creator. 
the concentration of New Testament teaching was on a godly response to when you're mistreated. But as Christianity grows, it has a leavening effect in society and culture and values. And indeed, slavery is outlawed, not only in this country, but in Great Britain and Europe, because of the influence of the values of Christianity itself. But this was early in the process. So nowhere in all of the New Testament is slavery commended. It's not. Marriage is because that's instituted by God. But slavery was not instituted by God. That's a human invention of sinful man. But what Peter's writing about is if you find yourself to be a slave and a servant, and it's even difficult and harsh circumstances, this is how you live your life. And that is what Peter's addressing. So, in verse number 18, he says, be submissive. Bring yourself under the authority of the one that you have to respond to. He says, submit with all respect in verse number 18. The word respect means a sense of reverence, a sense of fear. And uh, not, not, uh, not you're scared, but you're respectful to the ones who have authority over you. We live in a society, don't we, of disrespect that we live in. I think it's one of the problems that we're facing. We're reaping the whirlwind about this. We're reaping the whirlwind because our home structures are so upset because there's not a father and a mother where children have been taught to respect one another and to respect their elders and their parents. We see no respect in children toward parents. We see no respect in children to adults. We see no respect toward teachers and authority. I grew up in a home in a different day. I know. I'm old. But I learned things like, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Can I tell you how I learned that? My father taught me and reinforced it. I didn't talk back to my mom. I didn't disrespect my mom. As a teenager, I disrespected my mom one day. And my dad said, son, I'd like to talk to you for a minute down in the basement. <laughs> and when I went to the basement, he laid hands on me. Not an ordination laying on hands. He said, I loved her before I had you, and you'll respect her, or you won't live here anymore. Broke my heart. We live in a culture where younger people don't respect older people, and people don't respect authority. And this is part of the problem in our culture. Amen. We don't respect police, we don't respect law, we don't respect order because we didn't learn to respect it in our homes. Secondly, regardless of their character, show respect. 
In verse number 18, to those that are good and gentle, he says, but also for those who are harsh. The Greek word there for harsh is the word, uh, yours may translate it, the New American Standard that I'm reading from tonight translates it unreasonable, but really the, the Greek word there is the word scoliosis. Does that sound familiar to you? Scoliosis is something that's curved or crooked, like scoliosis of the spine. He says, even those that are perverse and crooked and difficult, and you can't please them, and they're hard and harsh. Here's the question. If my boss is a jerk, do I still have to obey him? And that's the point. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, if you have your Bible, look with me to Ephesians chapter number 6, beginning with verse number 5. Listen to what Paul has to say about this subject. He says in Ephesians 6, 5, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart. Now notice these words, as to whom? Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of whom? Christ, doing will, the will of God from the heart. With good will render service as to the Lord, not to men. He said, live like you're serving the Lord, not men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back from the Lord. Did you know who'll bless you in the end when you live rightly? The Lord will take care of you whether slave or free. And masters do the same thing to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. Wow. So he says, work as unto the Lord. Submit with all respect and obey those that are over you. Number two, he gives us instructions and incentives and submission. And this is the majority of the message tonight. Notice in, in verse number 19, For this finds favor for the sake of conscience toward God. A man bears up under sorrows, under pains, under hardship, under suffering, under difficulty. When suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? When you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. What he's saying is, let your light shine before men. Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see by your good works and glorify God who's in heaven. When you live rightly, even in the workplace, even in harsh, difficult circumstances, when you live right, you're being a witness for Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing or complaining, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above. Reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. What he's saying is, live your light so that you life so there's a light shining in the world. And he says, don't gripe and complain about your situation. 
but be blameless and innocent and act like children of God and trust him. Let your light shine. So how do you respond? When do you respond rightly? It is a testimony to a lost world. Your actions and your reactions speak powerfully, even during oppressive circumstances. So here's the point. Number one, don't work like a rebel. Don't be a rebel. Don't, you don't get any credit if you're acting and living sinfully in, and you disobey and rebel and then you are harshly treated. There's no credit there. So you don't like your boss and you hate him. And so you just can't stand the guy. So you don't want to work for him. And you gripe and you complain. And you talk about him all the time. You don't do your work the way you should do your work. And you refuse to work for him because you're rebelling against him. And then you get your backside fired. And now you're a poor victim. No, that doesn't work. The issue with our country is that we have an entitled mentality. That we think we're entitled. And so we're always a victim if we don't get what we think in this world. My friends, if you've got a victim mentality, you'll never change. So what? So we go through hard times. Let's trust God and live rightly. And trust him to do right. Amen? So don't be like a rebel. Secondly, do work rightly. Do what's right. Verse number 20. He said, what credit is it if you sin and are harshly treated? But when you do what's right, verse 20, and suffer and patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So do what's right. And you might suffer for it. But obey God. Your, your conscience is to God first, so you're serving him first. So do what's right, and you'll be blessed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are you when men cast insults at you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. Amen. Third, work to please God. Work to please Him. A sake of conscience toward God in verse number 19. And you bear up under these sorrows, pains, and griefs, and you endure it with patience. But God is there. You know what? When they're a jerk and they treat you terrible, then you say, God, I'm going to do what he asked me to do or she asked me to do. And I'm going to do it the best of my ability because I'm doing it for you and not for them. Amen. That changes the whole attitude. Amen. Listen, don't look around you how others are being treated. Don't look at the person giving you the orders. But look above. Amen. Arthur Pink wrote years ago, as one sees the apparent defeat of the right and the triumphing of the might and the wrong, it seems as though Satan were getting the better of the conflict. But as for me, at, but, but as for one who looks above, for me, instead of around, 
there is plainly visible to the eye of faith a throne. And that's where our confidence is. Amen? The people given the orders aren't sitting on the throne. God Almighty sitting on the throne. When you suffer for it unjustly, you receive credit as favor. This is experiencing God's credit toward you, God's grace toward you. The word grace or favor is used here in the idea of reward, God's blessing, God's credit, God's favor to you. I think that Peter here is is really helping us understand what Jesus taught us in Luke's gospel, chapter number 6, in verse number 32. Luke's gospel, chapter number 6, in verse 32. Listen to what the words of Jesus, Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse number 32. And if you love those who love you, what credit? There's the same word. What credit is it, is that to you? For even sinner loves those who love them. But if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it for you? Even sinners do the same. But if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is it that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But you love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and to evil men. He said, let me tell you how you earn credit. You earn credit when you're faithful and you serve and you work diligently as unto the Lord, even under suffering. You are earning credit and favor with God. How many of y'all would like to get paid by the Lord? Amen. And not in this world. Amen. Your rewards aren't in this life, but your rewards are certain and sure in heaven. Amen? The other thing we need to do is understand our calling. You've been called for this purpose, he says, in verse number 21. He says, verse 21, for you've been called for this purpose. This suffering that you're going through is part of God's call on your life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You shouldn't consider it something strange when this comes into your life because it's part of the calling to follow Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse number 20, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave's not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will keep your words also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul reminds us, 
For I consider the suffering of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Amen? My friends, God's got glory prepared for all of us. Amen. The Lord's with you in your suffering. It's in your suffering God does deep work in your heart and in mine. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote years ago, stood against, preached against, and lived faithfully in communism, found himself in prison in a gulag, suffering for his faith. Solzhenitsyn writes that in the midst of the gulag, God met him there. In the midst of suffering, God taught him things. There's so many lessons of life we do not learn because we resist suffering at all costs. So Sinesen wrote, it was only when I lay there in the rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. So bless you, prison, for having been in my life. Wow. God uses our suffering to teach us his great purposes. The next thing that we do is that we are to trust God Who's the judge? God is the real referee and judge in this world, and he shows no partiality. Amen? How many of you all believe that you can trust God to make everything right in the end? The book of Romans, chapter number 12. If you have your Bible, or you can look at the screen. The book of Romans, chapter number 12, beginning with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Hmm. Verse number 17, never, never, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what's right in the sight of all men. It's possible as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never, never, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. <laughs> now listen to this word, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Boy, that is a total different way of living. Amen? Amen. It says, bless those who even curse you, mistreat you, persecute you, and don't curse them. Be humble. Don't be arrogant. Never take your own revenge. 
Why? Leave room for the wrath of God. He will repay. And then heap coals on her head by just loving them and blessing them. Because as you do, the more you bless them, the more they're going to be accountable to holy God and overcome evil with good. Wow, that's a different way to live, isn't it? In your suffering, some of you are in places that are hard. We live in a hard time, and it's going to get harder. But we better arm ourselves on how to live in suffering. Amen? Amen. And we've become such weenies, we don't know how to do that. Amen. And it's time for us to grow up and grow strong in Jesus Christ. And finally, focus on Jesus' example. Verse number 21. Listen to what he says. For you've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you follow in his steps. First of all, he suffered, so he knows about suffering. And you have a high priest that is familiar with suffering, so whatever you're going through, Christ has gone through. But I understand this, he suffered, and if you're not careful, you'll skip over these words. Two little words that you better not skip over in verse number 21. Since, because Christ suffered, here's the two words, for what? You. He suffered for you. Now, some of you are suffering, and some of you are going to suffer. But understand, there's one who suffered, and he suffered because of you, and he suffered for you, and your sins drove him to the cross, and he bore your sins and his sorrows, and he made them his very own, and he died for you. He took your rebellion and bore it on the cross. He took your offense against the holy God and bore it in himself. He took your sin into his life, and he paid for it in full. He cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The forsakenness that you earned, he experienced. He bore hell in his own body, the perfect one for you and for me. He suffered for you. He suffered because of you. And he asked you to follow him. To take up your own cross and follow after him. Are you suffering? Oh, your suffering is nothing like Jesus. But he is your example. Amen? There's a Korean pastor by the name of Yong Swan Sun. Yong Swan Sun pastored in 1948 near the 38th parallel in Korea. And it was in a town called Sun Chun. 
which is near the 38th parallel. And the communists had overrun the, the town and had taken control for a brief period of time. And two of the pastor's sons, who were strong, vibrant, young Christian men, by the name of Matthew and John, his two oldest sons, died at the hand of one of the young communist, communist boys and was shot to death and killed as martyrs. And as they were being persecuted, they tried to preach the gospel to their persecutors and said, turn from sin and have faith in Jesus Christ. And a young man by the name of Chain Soon shot and killed both of his sons. Chain Soon was identified and later captured. When the communists were driven out of town, he was held captive. And his father, moved by the Holy Spirit of God, his daughter, Rachel, tells the story, the sister of these two young men. She said, Father's incredible request. He went to the authorities and he said, I want to forgive these boys, this boy. Would you let them go? Let him go. And they said, We cannot let him go. And he said, Then would you let me have him into my custody? And I will adopt him and make him to be my son the one that murdered his son. And the authorities let him go. And he adopted him as his son. And Chain Chun became a believer in Jesus Christ. He fell in love with his adopted father. And he has been a strong evangelist for the gospel of Jesus. Because his father loved him with the example of Jesus Christ. Wow. How powerful. How powerful. God has called us to live a different life. And we are to trust him and yield to him. And God will use us. And he will give us the grace and the reward and the blessing. When we do. Amen. Amen. Takeaway questions tonight for us to consider. What does it mean to submit, to yield to God, to yield? And what does it mean to submit? What does it mean? Number two, why do we struggle with submission to authority? Why is it that we so struggle? What's the issue in us? Number three, why should I respectfully obey? Number four, how should I respond to unreasonable, harsh employers? What is the incentives to submission? It's in the sermon tonight. And how is Jesus our example? Heavenly Father, have your way in our hearts and our lives tonight. And I pray that we would turn from our sin. We would turn in faith and trust to Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.